Today's broadcast is brought to you by do the the letter M and five in the. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. I don't think I'm quite familiar with that phrase. I'll explain, and I'll use small words so that you'll be sure to understand. You warthog-faced buffoon. Go ahead, make my day. I make this look good. You are now listening to the Nothing But Real Reviews and More podcast. Now here's something we hope you'll really like. Thank you for listening, everybody. This is Nothing But Real Reviews and More, and I am your host, Mike Lucas. Joining me, as always, is my trusty group of men. Steve Rush, I'll say hi to the people. How are you doing? Matt McNeil. Hello. Also, hey, wait, I wasn't done talking. <laughs> I beat you to it. Yeah, I know it. Aaron, say hi. Hello. All right, and... As always, as a running theme, Brent Fruget is not here with us this week. It seems that we are down one man every week. This time he actually didn't watch the movie. That's the reason why he's not here. Yeah. I. Uh, it's the weekend of Black Friday, and I stole the movie from Aaron, who I believe was the only one that had it. Well. I do. Yeah. So well, I just stole it, and Aaron's Brent's roommate, and yeah. Anyway. He could have asked. Yeah. He could, anyway. <laughs> not the point. Not the point. We're not here to make fun of each other, but we totally do anyway. We kind of are. Yeah. Steve, so why weren't you here last week? I was babysitting my two baby nephews. Ah, it's a lie. That's yeah. a lie. Too much homework That's was the excuse we got. Mm-hmm. Nope. <laughs> so so you're saying the lie was for. homework. I did not say homework, guys. I, I did not say anything. Homework. Did it? Yeah. Oh. So we have lies on, li- on lies on lies on lies. Well, I was babysitting my nephews. Yeah. It's all the same anyway. We're glad you're back this week. Thank you for listening, everybody. We have a great show for you this week. We are going to get into movies and DVDs coming out on Tuesday. Tuesday and Friday. God, it's struggle bus. Dude, I've worked so many hours this past weekend. I am just dead right now. I'm like, so glad I'm not in retail anymore. Yeah. You are so lucky. Like, it just, I wanted to just cancel because Brent texted me, like, hey, I'm not going to make it. And I was just like, Oh, can everybody just text me that? It's got bad weather. I just want to take a nap. Anyway, we have a great show. We're going to get into movies coming out on DVD as well as in theaters this week. We have a gem of the week picked by our Matt McNeil. And then we're going to get into a review of Shutter Island. So to kick us off, Matt, will you read us? You have in theaters, correct? Yes, I have in theaters. And we've got... um an interesting group of movies coming out this week. We've got, uh, first and foremost, Krampus, which I'm very excited about seeing. Uh, Chirac, which I have no idea what that is. Oh, that's Chirac. Chirac, yeah. That's, yeah, that's a, a Spike Lee joint or whatever he <laughs> likes to call it. I believe that's what they call it. <laughs> joint? That's what he calls it. A, a Spike, Spike Lee, Lee joint. joint. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. Anyway, yeah, go on. Um, we also have... The Letters, which this says it released in 2014, so I don't know why it's hitting theaters now. Uh, Macbeth, which could be interesting. Um, that one got an 85 out of 100. It did. It so. did. Uh, Youth, A Royal Night Out, The World of Kanako. I'm going to guess it's pronounced Kanoko, but... That might just be Americanized. I'm pretty sure it's Kanako. That's how it's spelled. But, you know, Kanoko sounds better. <laughs> Go on. Uh, so then there's Life, Hitchcock, Trafot, Christmas Eve, and MI5. 
Are you guys excited about any of those movies? Um, Krampus. I'm super excited for Krampus. I hope it's done well because that would be great. We need more scary Christmas movies. We need more scary Christmas movies. Yeah, there aren't any like good ones apart from like Night, Gremlins. If Nightmare you can, Before Christmas. Well, that's, that's like that's perfect. That's kids, all you need. That's a kids movie. That's all you need. Yeah, but I think you also we need good scary movies, not just Christmas movies. Yeah, that's also true. Yeah. Well, we teased one last week, The Babadook, right? Yeah, that was a that was a good scary movie. We need more movies like that, and hopefully Krampus delivers. But I don't think that the horror genre is good. Like. In it, general, it, it hasn't been good in a very long well, time. Well, because most of them are meant for like the twelve-year-old preteen girl audience, with just jump scares and terrible stories and low budgets. And <laughs> I guess I mean that's one way to look at it. Anyway, so Steve, will you read us the DVDs coming out this week? Uh, for DVDs, we got a lot coming out this week. Uh, Ninety minutes in heaven. Uh, another more one. like seven minutes in heaven with me. Uh, that has Hayden Christensen, so I don't know about that one. Uh, next one is Amy. Uh, another one is called Cooties. I have one called... <laughs> yeah, that's that Seven Minutes in Heaven follow <laughs> <laughs> The Desert Dancer, Good Night Mommy, Grace of Monaco, Huevos, Little Rooster's Excellent Adventure. I think it's pronounced Monoco. Monoco? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Jerusalem with Benedict Cumberbatch, Mississippi Grind. That Wait, has is uh, the movie titled Jerusalem with Benedict Cumberbatch, or is he just in it? He's just in it because <laughs> that would have been a hell of a title. Oh yeah, that would have got me to see it. Another one called Mississippi Grind with uh, Ryan Reynolds and Ben Mendelsohn. Uh, Mistress America. Haven't heard any of those. Outlander season one. Uh, Roger Waters the Wall. It's probably a music DVD. And uh, Some Kind of Beautiful with Pierce Brosnan. I haven't heard of a lot of these movies. I can tell you right now, anything with Hayden Christensen in it, I'm going to steer very far away from because of what he did in episodes two and three (laughs) of Star Wars. There it is. Ding! Star Wars reference number one. All right. Yeah, I'm not excited for any of these movies. Do you guys? No. 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 It's a bad week. It's a bad day for chickens. Anyway. Brings us to Gem of the Week. McNeil, I am excited for what you have picked. What is it? Before I get into that. Um, oh, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> uh, Steve just pulled up the Rotten Tomato score for 90 Minutes in Heaven, and it's got a 25% critic score and a 55% audience score. So stay away from that movie, guys. Um, but Gem of the Week this week is the 2015 psychological thriller called Circle, directed by Aaron Hahn and Mario Miskione. I'm probably saying that wrong. Oh, Um, let me find this. I can get you a a correct pronunciation. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I came across it in my Netflix queue today. I watched it primarily because it looked interesting, and it actually turned out to be really, really good. Um, The whole movie takes place in a room, in with just a bunch of people standing in a circle and like no you laugh but it was really really good so like the premise behind the movie is these 50 people wake up in this room and they're each standing on this little red circle and if they move off of this circle there's this like orb in the middle of the room that will kill them and there's also like a countdown 
and every every few minutes or so it'll count down and then everybody has to vote on somebody to kill so it's kind of like uh that game werewolf that we play mm-hmm. except there are no teams everybody's fighting for themselves to stay alive and it's it's a really interesting movie and i would recommend it to everybody i'm gonna go ahead and say it's directed by aaron han and mario miss mission miss miss one Misky no, one. Misky one. Like, that's it. That's gotta be it. Why is he doing Michoni? <laughs> that can't be it. That can't be it. All right. So has anyone else seen Circle? Just McNeil. No, I've seen it. Uh, Just while in Netflix. Going through my Netflix cues, but okay. See now, it's a gem of the week, but we don't know if we'll like it. I guarantee you that you will. Oh, I, I'm interested in it now. All right. I've we should it. have like a, a stamp sounder. From like stamp, group approved. You know what I mean? Or like McNeil approved. Like each individual. Well, name. that's the only approval you need. Ugh, no, because like top five on your list are Star Wars two and three, one, two, and three. I mean, the originals. That's not the originals. okay. No, uh, not the no. originals. I mean, like one, two, and episode one, two, and three. Maybe in my top five worst <laughs> movies of all time. No, and uh, anyway, not the point. Uh, so let's move into. The review of the week of the movie Shutter Island. Let me read you a little synopsis about the movie. It's a movie that came out in 2010. A U.S. Marshal investigates the disappearance of a murderess who escaped from a hospital for the criminally insane. It's directed by Martin Scorsese. <laughs> I got. I was so proud of you for saying murderess, right? And then you just butcher Scorsese. No, it's Scorsese. Uh, it stars Leonardo DiCaprio, Marky Mark Ruffalo, Ben Kingsley, and uh, I'm trying to find him, but Captain Leland Stoudemire from the hit show Monk. And that's a fact. I've never seen Monk. It's not great. It's not terrible. Not great. Anyway, so I picked this movie because... I've heard a lot of things about it since it came out some five years ago, and I've just always wanted to see it. Um, I'm a sucker for kind of twist endings, um, and I I just hadn't seen it, and people told me good things about it. When I watched it, I wish it would have ended 20 minutes earlier. And I know, I know I'm just skipping right to the end when we're talking about it, but that's the one thing that bothered me about it. Uh, there's no ambiguity between like how it ends Scorsese was so on point on how he wanted it to end. And I wish there was a little more ambiguity with it. I actually know I'm going to, I'm going to let everybody else talk before I get into it because like Aaron can attest, I don't really like Leonardo DiCaprio that much. I mean, he's gotten a little bit better as he's gotten older. I think this movie was kind of the turning point for me uh, as in regards to my liking him as an actor I still didn't think he was great in this film but like almost all of the movies he's done after this he's just been phenomenal um so before I start my rant I'm I'm because I might go on for a long time so I'm gonna let everybody else talk okay Steve what do you have to say I actually enjoy this movie I think it's uh well well written and uh I agree it could it could have ended a little sooner but uh, I think that's kind of what he was shooting for. He was trying to get you thinking and he does throughout the movie, get you thinking about what's going on. And, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Like you definitely see him 
making his point as oh, yeah. an artist and as a director, but I don't know. I just I think it could have been better. It was a good movie in my eyes. It was very well written. It's a very noir movie. Um but I just think it would have pushed it over the top to end twenty minutes earlier. Well and speaking of how well it was written, it's based on a book by Dennis Lehane, who is my one of the best authors that I've ever read. He, if you've seen Mystic River, he wrote the novel for that. If you've seen the movie Gone Baby Gone, he wrote the novel for that. I wrote the novel for this one. So, I mean, I know it was Martin Scorsese, great, famous director, but he had a fantastic base story mm-hmm. to work with. So that's a good starting point. But to your point, if it ended 20 minutes early, I think I do agree even if it didn't end 20 minutes earlier just like you said have a little more of uh ambiguous yes something a little more of a mystery to i mean the whole the whole story is is he or isn't he we won't go into yeah because spoilers basically in the movie he's investigating a disappearance of uh somebody at this criminally insane asylum rachel salando rachel salando at this criminally insane asylum and they're starting to like he has visions throughout the movie and you're like, is he having these? Is he seeing these? And then he find, they find a Rachel and then he also finds a Rachel. And it's, it's very, you don't understand what's happening until the very end. And then it like, it, it goes into it like deeply. I disagree. Um, I pretty much called the twist of this movie like 10 minutes into the film. It felt very Shyamalan esque to me like when when they when they actually revealed the twist i was like oh what a twist but then what got me was the double twist at the ending which i i liked that a lot i i don't think the movie i think the movie ended where it needed to end i would have liked it a lot less if it had ended 20 minutes earlier really yes because i don't like Shyamalan twists and when they got me on that double twist i was like all right i like that i know we don't want to get into spoilers too deeply but i just can you go into what you mean by and take your headset off, shut this off for five minutes and come back if you don't want to hear it. But what do you mean by the double twist? What, yes. At what point so, are you talking spoiler about? alert coming up if you have not seen the movie. Yeah, so the the whole twist is that he's actually the missing patient that they're looking for. He's one of the crazies. And that that was the twist ending was that, oh, you were crazy all along. And if you if we can't like get you back to becoming sane, we're going to have to lobotomize you. And then after they have this conversation and he like is sane for like a day and then the next day he's sitting out on the on the stoop and his psychiatrist comes up to him and he starts talking like he was this made-up character again and right before they take him off to lobotomize him he's like hey let me ask you a question do you think it's better to live as a monster or to die as a good man and i was like oh he's faking being crazy and that was so good to me i was like that's that is a better twist than he was crazy the whole time yeah, I abs- I was hoping that's what you're talking about, and that was my absolute favorite line because that takes everything we've been watching, and you see because this entire movie you see what he's gone through, to and where his breaking point was, how he became this crazy person. If you're to believe he is crazy and this persona that he's invented, and then once he becomes sane, once they break through those barriers and get him to the point they want him to be. He doesn't want to be there. He wants to be the insane person that won't accept what he's done or how he got there. Yeah, see, but that leaves it up open for discussion. 
does he actually know the entire time? I don't think it does. I he, he not the whole time he doesn't. He that once they broke through and he realized uh I think he just didn't want to accept the fact that he because he said even though and we're going into major spoilers but it's going to be again it's impossible to review without it. Even though his wife is the one that killed his children through a series of events, he knows he is responsible. He even says at one point, mm-hmm. I killed them because he knew his wife was having mental issues and she had even expressed concerns about it, but he did nothing to stop it. So he feels responsible for killing his children. Yeah. I, I don't know. See, and that's where I think we, uh, you just cut out that ending part, you know, where he knows he's a monster or whatever. And you just cut it off so y- the audience doesn't know if if he's a criminally insane or if he's like a U.S. Marshal and they're fooling him the entire time. You just cut it off there. It's, I but think, a better, en- a better ending. I disagree. I personally hate ambiguous endings. That was my biggest problem with Imbruge. And I do, too. I completely do, too. But I just, for some reason, I think this movie would have benefited from a, an ambiguous, like, at the, at the end of Inception, Inception is one of my, t- I'll just put a disclaimer, is one of my top five favorite movies. At the end, they have a little bit of an am- ambiguous ending with uh, the top spinning. and Except they don't, though. They don't, I know. And y- you can go into all this stuff because he's wearing the ring, and there's a bunch we'll of... We'll end up reviewing that, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure at some point. But, you know, and you, you know, there's fan theories. I don't know if Nolan ever came out and said that this is how it ends, blah, blah, blah. But I... I think that that movie would have benefited from having a non-ambiguous ending, whereas this would have having one would have benefited. And that's just how I feel about it. You know what I mean? I think if I, I don't, I think I have to agree with sadly have to agree with on this one. I thought he was going to come in here with some hate fest for Leonardo DiCaprio, but oh, don't worry. I, I still have some major issues with this movie. Oh, sure. And they're probably all warranted because as much as I do love this movie, there are issues but what i know if you see this multiple times and you know the ending and you know exactly what the doctors and the people at this asylum are trying to do there are little basically like little hints little comments little pieces of uh dialogue that just make perfect sense if you've seen the movie before and you know what's going to happen like right from the very start when they're on the boat you get these little pieces of commentary where they're trying to basically invoke these memories to come back for him to become aware of really? who he is yeah it's i mean one of the first lines that his supposed partner which is actually his doctor says to him is do you got a wife which i mean if you, that's such a weird out of center field question for these people this guy to ask him but just to you know he's a doctor it's, trying to invoke these memories it's not that weird though like he's as far as he's be <laughs> Where's well, your heart? And just watch watch how these people look at him after they say these things like when they when they're talking about rachel salando and they're talking about how she drowned her children and well, she, yeah. she doesn't believe it and she creates a fiction and everybody has a part to play and after they say these things, they look mm. at him intently to see how he's going to react to see if it's triggered anything. Okay. See, now that that makes a little more sense. But, like, the do you have a wife? You know, he's meeting him for the first time. Well, I know. And that's what I'm saying. They're, they're, <laughs> they're planting these seeds to try to get him to to come back to reality, to give up this trade of U.S. federal marshal. 
Yeah. We're duly appointed federal marshals. <laughs> I think he says that about four or five times. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> well, you know he's from Boston, so he's got to have that Boston <laughs> accent. I don't like any of you. So, aside from the twist, I think, you know, it is what it is. I We've been over it. What do you guys think about how it was shot? Like, at the very beginning when they were on the boat, there was obviously the... You could tell it was a green screen behind them. And I, I, I didn't like it. And then as, as the movie progressed, I was, I was like, that makes a lot more sense. Because there's a very noir, throwbacky style to the entire movie. Then I was like, the green screen having it kind of almost cheesy like that, I think that was the right call. I think they were just too cheap to actually put them on a boat. Well, and that could be the ver- that that could be the case, but well, I think the whole movie was there. This movie visually was better taken scene by scene. There are some scenes that were just terrible, but there are some scenes that stand out and were absolutely fantastic as a whole. It wasn't great, but there are a few scenes that were just amazing to look at. the The movie as a whole, like I said, was kind of kind of cheesy B movie ish yeah. down to how it looked, how the the music in the background. Yeah, and that was <laughs> we were talking about when you don't hear or when you hear music in the background but you don't notice it, it adds to the movie. There are parts in this movie where it just you noticed it. And it was it just took away from when they're approaching the asylum initially and mm-hmm. it's just blaring <laughs> B movie soundtrack like Inception horns repeatedly, and then it just cuts to silence once they get into. There, the there's there's also some parts during the movie where they're talking and doing their dialogue, and there's music playing in the background. Yes, yeah, like hear harsh it. violins oh, yeah. just strumming. But I did. I have a note here though that I noticed every time there's something to where he might have memories coming back, the music gets more forceful, more aggressive. So it's like he, it's maybe him actively blocking these memories that are trying to come back any time they're talking about something that could trigger something. See, and right after I watched the movie, I was thinking, I think I might have to watch this a second time. Yes, absolutely. That's what I told my wife watched it with me, and that's what I told her is this is a movie that you can enjoy so much more watching it the second time. Oh yeah, I watched it with my girlfriend, and she was, the whole I've, I've seen it once or twice before, but it's been a while, and she's sitting there, oh, what's going to happen? Is this, is it this? And then she's like, oh, wow. So it's really a movie. And even I, after two or three times, was kind of questioning what was going on. That you actually oh, yeah. fit. Oh, yeah. So uh, it helps a lot if you see it a couple times. Yeah. I might actually have to go watch this a second time then because the the main problem that I had with this movie, and it, it almost ruins my suspension of disbelief, is that how do they manage to pull this off for two days and let the most dangerous inmate they have just kind of run rampant all over the place because like they gotta they gotta convince all the other inmates to play along they gotta somehow get him on a boat to bring him to the island which like that right there is like if he's a crazy guy how do they get him off the island to put him on a boat well drug him maybe but like how are how would they manage to do that though if he's in his U.S. Marshal persona because when when the German guy tries to drug him, he notices it and like beats the crap out of the German guy. Uh, so like my my whole issue is how would they get him on the boat in the first place to take him back to the well, island? See, and I, well, you also see like um, when he's even in the persona, they give him smokes, they give him uh, different things to eat. Uh, could be 
something they slipped in his smokes that yeah. passed him out. And they even kind of make, um, they talk about how at the end that they had to put this whole thing into play. And if it doesn't work, it's going to get shut down. Well, and many of the characters you can see obviously aren't comfortable playing their parts in like the people he's the uh, patients he's talking to or the the nurses that he gathers they're just little bits and pieces of how they're just kind of looking at each other not exactly sure how to handle the situation so and then some of the characters like the woman in the cliff that he finds could be and are more than likely completely made up because of what he wants to believe or what he might be seeing that's what I was wondering if she was an actual person or if just a figment of his imagination. I don't think she's real because that's for them to, it's just absolutely ridiculous to think that they're going to put this woman in this completely inaccessible place and uh, on the hopes that he finds her and gets this piece of the story. And so. Well, you never know because they said that he, uh, he had done this twice before to him, right? And they broke through once. I, I think they said they've, He's been in this persona for two years, but I think this was the first time first that time they, they actually did like did. The, yeah. Okay. Well, they said they broke through to him once before. I, I remember that for a fact. It was smaller yeah. things that they had been doing okay. that have, had broke through, but this is the he even says this is the first time that they actually did this whole big role play that they were doing. I gotcha. So let's go into acting a little bit because I think Mark Ruffalo did a fantastic job. Um, I don't know so much about Leo. This, it felt very Leo-esque, and I know it's Leo being Leo, but I don't know. I thought it, overall, I don't have any qualms about it. And Captain Leland Stoudemire from Monk did fantastic. What character? Who what are, the heck are you talking? <laughs> about? Are you talking about Ben Kingsley? <laughs> no, it wasn't Ben Kingsley. He was the uh, like the warden or the prison. Oh, and he's the yeah. guy driving the jeep because we're both. Uh, what does he say? We're both men of yeah. violence or violent men. Yeah. And yeah, he's got the real deep voice. Isn't that the guy from? Uh, he's from Silence of the Lambs. I'm sure of it. Yeah, he is. Okay, he plays Wild Bill. Yes. Uh, in this movie, he wasn't trying to get Leo to put lotion on his skin, but yeah, you don't know that. I'm sure maybe, that, yeah. That, There's that's, a lot. That he's been at this that's prison. Part for of two his therapy. <laughs> put him in a well. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one that said something stupid today. Anyway, oh. so <laughs> I wasn't stupid. That was a funny joke. No, I mean it was very funny, but it's very dumb. It's very dumb. And anyway, so talk about that acting a little bit. What you guys thought? Uh, the whole thing was just kind of meh as far as acting. It, again, like you said, it was just Leo being Leo. Uh, it was the turning point for his movies for me. I thought that he did better in this than he did in previous movies. I think the only movie that he's done before this one that I actually enjoyed him in was Catch Me If You Can. Um, and then every other movie before that i just can't stand leonardo dicaprio but then every movie after this i'm like oh leo's really good but i mean everybody else was just kind of i don't know they were all part of the background really like but it was just pretty much him and uh really you don't think the hulk did good ruffalo marky mark ruffalo <laughs> the hulk that's that's who he is <laughs> not uh, edward norton oh god no <laughs> Anyway, uh, I mean, he did fine, I oh, guess. What if Luke like, Rigno was in the background somewhere? He, <laughs> he was, I don't know, it's kind of hard to say that he was a good counterpoint to Leonardo DiCaprio because they both acted basically like the same character almost until the big finale. Um, and in the finale, he did fine. I think 
was it? I always want to say Patrick Swayze, but that's not right. <laughs> what? <laughs> pa- Patrick, what's his name? What's his name? The guy who plays like the head psychiatrist, Ben Dempsey. Kingsley. Ben Kingsley. Oh, that's Patrick oh, that's right. Because I always want to. I always think. He, I always Dr. think Lovejoy. he's. That's no, that's yeah. Right. I always think he's Patrick Stewart, and I almost <laughs> said. <laughs> wow. I. <laughs> oh. Hell no. I always think he's Patrick Stewart whenever I see him. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is Picard. But no, um, I no. think I think he probably did the best in this movie. Uh, out of all of the characters, I think he was the one that I found the most enjoyable. Um, I guess I don't really have anything else to say about that. Okay, I'd have to agree with uh, McNeil here. I think Kingsley was the best part of this movie, even though he has a smaller part than... Uh, DiCaprio, Ruffalo. Wise, it's the best part of the movie because I think the story is the best part of the movie personally. You know what I mean? But acting, the acting wise, okay. Kingsley is the the better part of. Besides, I mean, Ruffalo, he has his moments, and Kings. Uh, I think this is a good movie to, for DiCaprio, but not one of his best ones. I think I agree overall. I think Leonardo DiCaprio, and like McNeil said, anything after this movie, I've absolutely loved him in. And this movie, he handled some scenes better than others uh there was a lot of, he just had this uh my brother likes to say it's leonardo DiCaprio uh, struggling to take a dump he gets this look, <laughs> he gets this look on his face like the furrowed brow the intense look and the smush face smush face yeah and he does that a lot in this movie but there are scenes he handles really well uh i, I agree with ben kingsley and i think one of the best cameo performances was Captain Leland Stoudemire. No, 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 no. <laughs> Jackie Earl the Haley? Guy, no, not even him. The guy th- uh, that uh, Leonardo's character invents as latest, where he's got the, oh, the yeah. scar across his face, and he comes around on the chair, and he's sitting there, and then he, they have that conversation. He's the uh, the dude from Law & Order. Yes. Uh, yeah, I can't think of his name. Uh, Anyways, that's one of the – I think that performance and that scene itself stood out. And like I said, there there are some scenes in this movie that are just absolutely fantastic. So we should we should I think all of us should <laughs> discuss key scenes because I couldn't. There are some scenes where it's like, man, this if the entire movie was this good, it would have been a fantastic movie. Yeah, that's the guy, Elias Kotias, however you pronounce it. I'm that's sure not Michael. That's the guy I was thinking of. No, that's him. I'm pretty sure that's Is Elias. That him? Listen, pronunciation, who knows? Elias <laughs> Coat as. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I, will, I will say, though, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio has probably one of the worst fake cries I have ever seen in all of movies. Like, it's terrible the way he cries. Like, he's... I didn't even notice it, I'll be honest. Oh, in, in, the, in the flashback where he is, like, at their lake house right after his wife kills their kids, and then he's, like, wading out into the lake and, like, bringing them back, and then oh, he, he yep. does that cry, and you it is the worst thing <laughs> imaginable. The worst thing imaginable. All right, so anything else you guys want to say? Because, I mean, we're not going to be able to get into specific scenes. I mean, unless you have something, a specific scene you want to discuss. The My favorite scene in the movie is where they sneak into ward c where they keep all the like dangerous people and he has that conversation with what's the character's name i don't even remember george yeah george 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 noise yeah um and he's like noise is pretty much like exposing the entire movie to leonardo dicaprio and leo's like nah 
no, that can't be right. <laughs> and like just their interaction, I think is really cool. I really like the way that the character of George Noyce was handled um, because he was kind of a key point at the beginning of the movie about why uh, Leo's made up characters even on the island in the first place. And the way that those two interact with each other, like for real, I thought was very well done. Yeah, I I agree. That's a good point. This George Noyce character turned out to be the the one character holding up, like it basically supporting Leonardo's fake story, giving it some validity, and then he's the one that ends up completely tearing it down. So I thought that was fantastic. Uh, my favorite scene was actually one of the flashback scenes, and it might be because I've seen it before, and it's got like I said all the pieces that fit together. But Leo is, and I can't remember at which point it was, one of the times he was passed out and having his flashback. And he's in the apartment with his wife, and she's all wet. And then you see, like, these ashes are coming down around them. And then you see this fiery hole open up, and he's got his arms around her, and she starts to bleed. And it's just all of these memories rushing back to him, converging into this single flashback memory that I thought was the single greatest scene of the movie. That's the same I, scene I was going to pick. Um, it kind of has a little foreshadowing in it because, I mean, you kind of find out before that that his, his kids had drowned or this lady's kids is drowned. And even my girlfriend said, why is she bleeding? And then towards the end of the movie, you find out that why she was bleeding in that, that typical scene or that instance. I thought that scene looked kind of cheesy. Um, I mean, I understand, <clears throat> excuse me, I understand it's important. It, I'm turning into Mike. I can't talk. <laughs> turning into Brent, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I understand its importance to the movie, and it was fairly well done, I guess, as a scene. But the effects, like, even for 2010, like, seemed really low budget to me. And I, th- what I was trying to say earlier about the the shooting style, I, I think that's kind of what they were going for. I th- like you said, it's kind of that noir. It's almost like a classic B movie feel with a obviously A movie budget with a Scorsese movie budget, DiCaprio director budget. But everything. it gave you that feel, like this. It gave you kind of that uneasy feeling where it just seems out of place at times and kind of. And that's why I think it hit its mark because. Uh, there was a scene where I literally wrote it down. And I said, I hate this scene. It was, uh, they were going into uh, the mausoleum or the mosque where like the, the graveyard or whatever. I don't know if, what the word is. Mm-hmm. Um, but like it, the camera was low to the ground. It, there was wind going back and forth and it looked like something off the sci-fi channel. And, and that's never a compliment. That whole scene in the graveyard was even the scenes falling were just off of when uh, Mark yeah. Ruffalo was going on his rant about the the conspiracies, and he, it was yeah. just a bad scene entirely. And I was like, I hate this scene. And then as the movie progressed, and they had, they had, they had, had like, like, like there's a car pulling up, and the camera was right there, and I was like, it looks very noir. And I was like, that's what it would have looked like back in the day. And so I think it's hit, it hit its mark. It was intentionally bad i mean i don't know if bad is the word but i i like i said i agree i think it was intentional to give you because it had these awkward camera angles this weird lighting these cut scenes that fell out of place and i think it was to give you that uneasy feeling this fragmented feeling uh, kind of to maybe simulate what leonardo's going through with his memories and whatever else is going on in the movie and so i think it was done very well but I'm ready to rate it. Are you guys ready to rate it? Yeah, let's do it. All right. 
So overall, um, I'd give this movie six and a half, but it ends 20 minutes earlier. I give it a nine. So wow, that's yeah. kind of a drastic leap there. It, it well, that's I, dude. It, and it, it's it's odd that it affects your score so much when that was one of the things that most of us liked about that movie was the way it ended. No, I think I I just I think. If it was ambiguous, dude, it would have been so much well, better. Well, that's fine. I mean, that's why yeah. we do this. Everybody's yeah. got their own opinions, and you and, have a reason for it. So. And I think I might, I think I've done this with every single movie. I go back and I'm like, I think I should have graded this movie higher, this movie lower, this movie here and there. And I, I I'm definitely gonna have to watch this movie a second time so I can do that. And so that, that's not a final number for me, but that's where I stand right now because I've been having a hard time in the past five days trying to rate this. But Steve, what do you have? I would have. I gave it a seven point seven five. I enjoy this movie. Um, I think the acting could be a little bit better. That's why it's not uh, towards a higher number. But seven point seven five is pretty good. I gave this movie a six. Um, as I said before, it was a little hard for me to maintain my suspension of disbelief. There was just too much going on. I'm like, how did they orchestrate this? This doesn't make any sense. Um, kind of to Steve's point, the acting, aside from Ben Kingsley, wasn't like super on point. Um, and the soundtrack was really loud and kind of obnoxious. I think I like, I know I like this movie a lot more than I know it has its downsides, but I love every bit of it. The awkward soundtrack, the weird camera angles, the out of place visuals, as far as the effects, the even at points, laughable acting and dialogue, but I loved every bit of it and it all came together. So I give this an 8.25. 8. I think that's the highest single rating we've had. Am I right? No, 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 no. Overall? I think Steve gave uh, Imperusion eight and a half, I think, was the highest. Yeah. We've seen. I th- I believe so. Eight or eight and a half. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not it's, it's close, if if not the highest. But that puts it at 7.125 out of 10, of course. And that's we're actually lower than what uh, IMDb gives it. IMDb gives it a... Uh, believe 8.1 well nobody cares about the imdb score what matters is what does rotten tomatoes say about this movie i don't know somebody should have that well i think maybe that great and i know that's more in line with what i gave it but a lot of that grade might be the and i have such a low opinion of other people but (laughs) dumb people probably like oh what a great reveal what a great twist 68 percent uh of the critics liked it and 76 of the audience. Which is more in line with what we... Yeah, but I don't know. I just... I, I, I'm i telling you, I would have put this at a solid I'm curious, nine. can you find find one of the Rotten reviews and read it? Because I'm sure it will... I just want to see if their opinion of what was bad about this. Okay. So, this one says... One of the Rotten ones says, Scorsese keeps the tension at a pitch of near-constant hysteria, yet when the solution to the mystery is finally revealed... You're left with a sense of disappointment. Which I think sums up <laughs> most of our review yeah. pretty well. So even though I don't know that ours technically would consider it rotten at 7.1, whatever we gave it. No, I, I definitely, I would watch this movie again. I think you kind of need to. I think you should. I, I was challenged before to watch Bernie. Uh, update, I did watch Bernie again. And I have to say I hold my score okay. because it's just not that entertaining of a movie <laughs> okay so yeah i think i definitely would watch this movie again would you guys i mean obviously we have it at this point oh yeah i'd watch it again 
I might watch it again. I don't know if my score will change. Uh, just knowing what I already know about the movie, going back and rewatching it. I, I mean, you might pick up on those subtle things, but like I picked that, I picked up on that right away. Like I said, I called the twist in the first 10 minutes of the movie. Cause I was like, something's not right. They're all acting really weird around this guy. Um, and I think my suspension of disbelief might shatter even more if I watch it a second time. So I probably won't watch this again. Okay. I think I would. I mean, I've seen it a lot, so I don't know if I'll be watching it anytime soon. But I would. If somebody said, "Hey, you want to come over and watch this?" Yeah, I would watch it again, and absolutely do recommend it. All right. So that sums up the review. We gave it a seven point one two five. What do we have for next week, Aaron? Next week we will be watching Road to Perdition with Tom Hanks and my personal favorite, Paul Newman. Uh, Road to Perdition, um, got a, it's from 2002, uh, got a 7.7 on IMDb. The synopsis is, bonds of loyalty are put to the test when a hitman's son witnesses what his father does for a living. Actually, I have seen this movie. I you, have. I yeah, did. you I borrowed, borrowed it, it from me and thought it was uh, an action movie, I think is what you said, so you didn't. I don't. I don't remember. I think I might have done that with Mystic River because oh, I actually okay, know for a fact it, yeah. I did it with Mystic yeah, River. Yeah, I gave you Mystic River, and you thought it was an action movie. And awesome. was severely disappointed. I'm surprised you didn't think it was Nacho Libre. <laughs> God damn it. Well, anyways, uh, just for a preview, I picked this movie because we haven't yet had a movie that displayed great acting, and this you will see two of the greats go toe to toe with Tom Hanks and Paul Newman's performance. And you have Sam Mendes, who is a fantastic director. So, uh, I kind of agree with Aaron. I'm really excited to review this and uh, hear what McNeil has to say. Um, we had some good acting in this movie, uh, Shutter Island, and uh, Road to Perdition is probably one of the best acting movies I've ever seen. Have not seen it. Looking forward to it. All right. Me too. Thanks for listening, everybody. This has been nothing but real reviews and more. Uh, send us an email at lethargicmedia.com. At dot com, gmail dot com. Jeez, it's been a long weekend. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We have hope you have a great week. Join us next week. Aaron, hit me with it. Tell your friends. Hey guys. Oh, big golfs, huh? All right. Well, see you later. Good day, sir. You're a qu- sir. I said good day. Yeah. See ya. Hasta la vista, baby. This has been the Nothing But Real Reviews and More podcast. A special thanks to Jordan Binder. Yeah. Lingerer, man. Yeah, totally. Linger. Hardcore.